0: Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast about the podcast, Too Beautiful to Live. In Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me, from Dallas, Texas, Meredith Mahan. Good morning, Meredith. Good morning, Bobby. And in New Brighton, Minnesota, Anne Lundholm. Good morning, Anne. Happy Easter, everybody.
1: (laughs) 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 Can, Can I tell a really quick Easter anecdote that I always think of this time of year about... Uh, 10 years ago, I was over at my parents' house in the week or two before Easter, and I was hanging out with my brother there, and my mom came to us, and she goes, guys, I just want you to know, the Easter Bunny is probably not going to come this year. And I said, what? Just because we're 29 and 24, that means the Easter Bunny stops coming? And she goes, (sighs) And then she must have talked to the Easter Bunny because, sure enough, he came <laughs> 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 and came for many years after that.
2: That's very sweet. We we mm-hmm. uh, the Easter Bunny came to our house um, until I moved to Texas, and then he he I guess doesn't want to
0: come down south. Oh, sensible. Can you blame mm-hmm. a giant rabbit for not wanting to go to the state with all the guns? <laughs> True. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, As you can tell, this is a holiday weekend recording edition of Little Red Bandwagon. We're going to recap the latest week of TBTL uh, as well as some housekeeping and how you can get involved. But first, before we move ahead, I want to make sure that each and every one of you listened to Friday's show with our favorite Aaron, Born to be Mild with Aaron Roden. Ladies, what did you think of Friday's show? I thought it was so much fun. I mean, if you
1: could have gotten Mike to stop talking about his old podcasts, that would have been good, but I suppose everything else was okay. (laughs) Uh, I have to confess, I haven't listened yet. (laughs) Stop the show. I know,
2: I know. Well, let's peel back the curtain a little bit. We are recording a day earlier, and uh, I usually have to scramble to finish TBTL, so that's kind of been dominating my, my listening.
0: Fair enough. And I appreciate it. Uh, Anne and Meredith offered to or agreed to record with me a day early. This is Saturday morning. We're doing this so that tomorrow uh, Sam and I can go to the beach like the godless heathens that we are.
1: How can you go to the traditional beach in April
0: Easter activity? It's supposed to be like 80 degrees tomorrow. Oh, okay. So we're going to seize any opportunity to enjoy some sunshine after the winter we've had. Thank you. Global warming. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, go listen to that with Aaron. He, of course, is a mainstay of the Seattle podcasting scene, an old friend of TBTL. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, Andrew Walsh scooter talk, mm-hmm. which is delightful.
1: Aaron is really great. I think he's probably, I mean, I've never met him, but he seems like one of the genuinely nicest person, people that you could ever talk to.
0: Yeah. Uh, and as Mike noted, he's got the highest audio quality of pretty much any guest we've ever had, mm-hmm. thanks to his <laughs> having his own studio. A couple of uh, quick listener feedback items before we move on. First, speaking of Aaron, uh, we got a note, I think on the Sten's page, or on our Facebook page, rather, about a giggling toddler who could not get enough of uh, Aaron Roden singing the Priceless Granite Drop.
2: It was pretty impressive, I have to say.
0: (laughs) It was better than the original drop.
2: (laughs) I gotta listen to this.
0: Yeah, you really do. Also in feedback this week, and something about a low-rent James Franco?
1: Yeah, I had a conversation with my new best friend, Madeline. We had a really great um, chat. And I hope she doesn't mind if I share this because she told me that she knows somebody who was in – the uh, grad program with James Franco at Columbia University. I couldn't remember where it was, but it turns out to be Columbia. And last week, there was a whole thing about Shia LaBeouf and how people dislike him. And Andrew said maybe he was like the poor man's James Franco. And So we talked about James Franco and how he seems to have a little bit more going on creatively than Shia LaBeouf. But this unnamed person that Madeline knows said that um, half the time he didn't even bother to show up for class. And then when he did come, his work was substandard. In fact, very, very, very substandard. So that really destroys all of my illusions about James Franco. Not that I had a ton to begin with, but I'm kind of disappointed that he's not sort of a cool, cool Renaissance <laughs> man who's got a lot of things on his plate that he does well.
0: Uh, my only really uh, touch point for James Franco was his arc on 30 Rock, where he loves a body pillow.
2: Oh, yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that.
0: Uh, so that's it for me. I, I don't have a lot invested in either of these people, so I guess I wouldn't have thought as one being a notch down from the other. I mean, obviously, celebrity-wise, I guess he is, but uh, that comment went completely over my head, so thank you for bringing it up, because I wouldn't have. <laughs> Uh, before we get going, uh, I also have a segment uh, I'm calling Am I a Jerk? Because that's a Dare Not Loud segment that I'd like to borrow for a moment. And, ladies, I need your input on this. Uh, so, this has been a really busy week in my life. Um, I had a concert for work last weekend, which is why I couldn't do the recap. And then this week, we moved offices at work, uh, we only moved a few blocks. And so, my office mates and I decided stubbornly that we would move our own stuff and not hire movers mm-hmm. uh, and it was a beast of a move on yesterday, uh, but we did it, and we're very proud of ourselves. And there's four of us. Uh, there's me. there's my coworker Nick, who's sort of the other uh, primary person who did this move with me. We have a third roommate named John, uh, who's a perfectly nice, friendly older gentleman. Um, who was very nervous about this move (laughs) Um, and so helped, but was a little apprehensive about the whole thing. Uh, And then a part-time employee who's about my age uh, named Jess. I'm using all their real names. So stalk away. (laughs) (laughs) Jess has been working for my uh, office mate, Nick's company for a while, probably too long for such a a few hours a week, kind of part-time job. And uh, we like her a lot and she's very friendly and we kid around a lot uh, because she, she can throw jokes back a little bit more than the others can. So she and I tend to, to goof off more together. And it's the end of the move and we're standing outside right next to the empty moving truck sort of elated and celebrating and going our separate ways at the end of the day. And uh, Nick is mentioning that he's not going to be in the office on Monday. And Jess just says, uh, great, actually I have one more thing I need to mention too. And I just say jokingly, let me guess—you can't believe that we made you help move, and this is it. You're putting in your two weeks' notice. You're done. You're quitting. And there's a pause, and then she just goes, "Oh shit! Yeah. Oh, she um, she got a new job. Oh no. <laughs> it, it's a it's a great full time job with benefits, and like it's a really good step up for her and." <laughs> She had apparently been trying to figure out all day how to tell Nick. Oh no! <laughs> and then I'm over here just like making a joke, just pulling it out of my ass. Oh no,
2: no, you're not a jerk. You didn't know. Mm-hmm. That's a funny joke. Mm. Jerk implies I really, intent. I really didn't know. Yeah, and 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 it gave her the perfect opportunity <laughs> to bring it up. She couldn't <laughs> avoid it anymore. <laughs>
0: She did actually thank me for breaking the ice because she had struggled with yeah. it. Yeah, and I'm sure you apologized profusely. Of course, I'm not done yet. I've been apologizing yeah. for the last 24 hours. Good. No, you're not a jerk. I did buy her a drink after too, but I felt terrible. <laughs> it's just one of those moments that you can never take back. Like I think I remember every job I've quit in the moment that I said that I was leaving, and uh, I'm going to be stuck in that memory for her forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Okay. I'm not a jerk for that. No. No. I'm sure I'll I'll come up with other reasons. Sure. (laughs) All
1: right.
0: Uh, And with that, Meredith, why don't you take us to our week in review?
2: All right. Starting out with Monday, 2355. Never cry on your own shoulders. Uh, The week opens with Luke and Carrie demolishing their upstairs bathrooms. Looks like Luke is now not feeling well. And I have to quote Christy's awesome comment on this, which was, does this mean Carrie's going to be an ass to her friends? (laughs) (laughs) it's a good excuse your spouse Mm -hmm. isn't feeling well it's a stressful situation yep uh carrie is uh still sick it seems like we learn later in the week but she's still uh uh suited up for demolition in her adorable overalls that they called cute like 17 times Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they are cute i mean there there's a picture up somewhere and she she is adorable in her
0: overalls her left eye overalls.
2: Right. <laughs> Only one <laughs> strap was, was buttoned. <laughs> it's very cute. I used to do that in middle school. Uh, Andrew goes off on construction noise, trying to make it a background sound effect. Uh, and I don't know if there's a, a less pleasant sound in all of the world than right. construction sound. Especially to me. I don't. It, it really gets under my skin, and jackhammers are the absolute worst. I don't know. They're, they're second to leaf blowers, I think on the annoying
1: scale to me. I mean, Uh, I really question, I question the logic of this because the fact that Luke may have some intermittent construction noise in the background means that we should add a construction soundtrack. (laughs)
2: Like let's make it less pleasant. And, and he's always apologizing for this construction sound, which we very rarely actually hear. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I would have been fine with skipping that. Uh, I have a note that the guys are not going to talk about baseball, which everyone
1: seems pleased about, but I don't remember <laughs> anything else about that. <laughs> I think the only thing they said is be- they can't talk about the Mariners because Luke is so upset.
2: Yes. Yes. He's so mad right. that they're doing poorly.
0: It's it's becoming harder and harder to... Well, he'll be really excited when they make their giant comeback and win the World Series. Right. Which is
2: going to happen this year.
0: Right. right? <laughs> so, you know, this is just... It's a roller coaster of emotion for Luke.
2: Okay uh andrew talks a bit about his weekend he says that he and Vives parked their car and went to a party at a brewery somewhere in greenwood over the weekend and they wound it up wound it up they wound up at the eagles club um where they talk about uh the joy of having a tab um and andrew worries that he left without paying but luke apparently was there and says that he did and i was thinking how very drunk, Andrew must have been, to have forgotten if he paid his tab, but Luke mm-hmm. was the responsible one who noticed that he did.
1: I don't know. I don't know that I would call Luke a reliable narrator in that. I might double I check just in case. That's yeah. true.
0: The eye, the eyewitness numbers are never good when they go back and run the facts.
1: But it's not
2: just some random place. They know him there. It's not going to yeah. be any bad blood, I'm sure. Um, I used to forget my debit card at my favorite bar all the time when I was in college, and I lived half a block away and everyone knew it, so nobody really cared. I would just come in the next night and pay my tab. Right.
1: They know you're good for it.
0: Yeah. Running a tab is one of the joys of a neighborhood bar, Mm -hmm. and I think you know it happens less now than than it used to, but the thought that you could get away with that and come back later, I mean, there are still bars in Buffalo where I think I could go home and do that tomorrow if I really wanted to. If
2: you leave your... Your card open now I think at a bar they will just run it yeah um, and and charge you a, some sort of penalty too but they didn't used to do that
0: the the trade-off is I would go into a bar and you wouldn't give them your card you just they just literally just were. keep a tab and right. then mm-hmm. just give them your card when you're done and maybe the Eagles are that way too but uh, they know he's coming back they know where to find him yeah
1: yeah I think that's so funny if it was a random bar. Then he could definitely be worried about them getting upset. But at the club at which he has a membership, that he would be worried that they get mad at him for not paying his tab?
0: Well, he just doesn't want to get hollered at.
1: Of course, he <laughs> that's doesn't. true. Right.
2: And then there's an offhand comment, which I wish they had explored more, that Andrew and Sean DeTori were making candles together.
1: Candle making Why party. are there not
2: pictures? I want to see
1: this. <laughs> <laughs> there was a picture of the candles somewhere about half a half a dozen candles of random colors in random vessels but there were i don't remember that that there were pictures of people
2: okay well i hope we get to hear about that more sometime um they go on to feedback about the newsletter uh video uh they got a flood of positive comments and andrew seized on the the one negative comment and uh (laughs) and had to mention that first, and then he instantly regrets it, and he feels bad that he uh, focused on the negative
1: instead of the positive. It wasn't even that negative, was it? It was sort of like a mild... I, yeah. Honestly, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it wasn't much of a criticism.
0: Yeah, and it was plucked out of a pot of uh, of praise right. and mm-hmm. high compliments.
2: Yeah, Luke said that he's amazed at the gap in his teeth. Um, I noticed it. I don't know. I didn't think it was amazing.
0: Well, we're not thinking about Luke as much as Luke is thinking about Luke. True. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> um,
2: they go through some sort of strange tangent where they talk about the word symbology and secretism.
1: Is yeah. that? <laughs> and do you have any more on that? Because that's all I have. Not, not really. Other than in both uh, cases, they, it's a real word, but they used it in the wrong context. Like... Like, the, it was only a real word because Andrew was lucky. Yeah.
2: Like how Trump uses bigly, which is technically a word. Right. But exactly. it sounds like it's not when he uses it.
0: Uh, I didn't focus too much on that because I was too busy thinking about the stack of books Luke read off that were his <laughs> microphone stand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, his laptop stand. Excuse me. Because his microphone stand was a microphone uh, attached to his thermos. Oh, right. Which made me feel really good about our setups as Little Red Bandwagon hosts. Yeah, we're a lot more professional. A lot more professional. (laughs) (laughs) These $12 boom arms we all have are really something. Yep.
2: (laughs) Uh, Top story for Monday is this amazing (laughs) uh, story about the aspiring Australian rapper named Tupac. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's got number two, PEC, no space. Just like Tupac. Oh boy, uh, he goes to a restaurant in Australia called
2: Almoro's Brothers Seafood, and he has a hugely expensive meal. It sounds like by himself, although I didn't uh-huh. clarify that. Turned out to be about three hundred thirty dollars. Um, he had vodka, twenty one vodka oyster shots. I would die. This guy must be a serious alcoholic or something. Uh, several. I don't beers. think I can eat that many
0: oysters, let alone the. Oh, gross
2: um baby octopus a bunch of beer and lobster and i'll come back to that and when it was time to pay the bill he just dove into the ocean and swam away and he had to be circled by police and lifeguards to get him back on jet skis and so he was just treading water full of so much alcohol and so much food in the ocean like he could have died for sure but they managed to arrest him um and then we of course go off on the tangent about is it deadly to swim after eating which it's not,
0: right? Um, I think
1: I thought we figured that one out a long time ago.
0: Yeah, like all the times people did it anyway, right?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, we learned that this guy ends up in court, and he said he didn't want to pay for his meal because his lobster was overcooked. Now this <laughs> set me off on a tangent about lobster. Uh, I've had lobster in Maine, in Massachusetts. And at several of the fanciest steakhouses in Dallas. And I don't know if I've ever had a lobster that I enjoyed. It's usually tough and chewy and kind of tasteless. Um, and my first experience with lobster was really horrible. We didn't... My, my parents didn't like seafood. And so it was never cooked at my house. And it's hard to get, like, good fish in Michigan that isn't like fish. Um, so it just wasn't part of my life. But we went to Maine when I was about 10... Uh, because my grandmother lived in Bangor. And so we went to the seaside restaurant, and I ordered a whole lobster. And they brought it out on a plate. They cracked its shell in half, and a quart of gray water came, like, rushing out of it.
1: <laughs> Appetizing. And I was
2: horrified by that, but everyone's like, yeah, okay, that's normal. And so I was like, all right, I guess this is how it is. And so I had to go digging through this creature, like, trying to identify which parts were edible, and nobody was helping me. And it's swimming in this dirty fish water. Yeah. And honestly... I should have jumped in the ocean and swam away. It was disgusting. (laughs) And, you know, the last time I had lobster was actually at a really fancy dinner party a couple of weeks ago, and it was soaked in some seasoning, which was the only reason it had any taste, but it was cooked by one of the best chefs in the city, and it was gross. It was tough and overcooked. Uh, So I'm going to shut it down, America, on thinking lobster is this great fancy food. I will make exception for lobster rolls and lobster mac and cheese because the rubbery Lobster is mostly drowned out in dairy and carbs, so in that case, I think it's fine. But I also think that the bottom line is, if you want to eat a tasty sea monster, have some crab.
0: <laughs> uh, and where do you stand on lobster?
1: I have never had lobster. I'm 40 years old, and I've never had it. Um, Good for you. <laughs> like Meredith's family, we just didn't eat seafood growing up. My mom doesn't like it at all. And um, and so it wasn't until I went to college and I probably went to Red Lobster with somebody. And really, Red Lobster, that's about those Cheddar Bays, right? Mm-hmm. Who cares about the rest mm-hmm. of it? And, and by that time, uh, the whole idea of lobster being so expensive sort of made it off limits for me. And we did have uh, one time, I think I was probably about 20. I suspect that I requested it as my birthday meal, that we did go to Red Lobster as a family. And, And my youngest brother was about 10. And he was really excited to order what he thought was shrimp. But what he actually ordered, because he was 10 years old and he never ate seafood, so he, you know, got something confused in his brain. What he actually ordered was king crab legs. Mm. And so this (laughs) big plate of long, (laughs) spidery, hard things came out to the table, and he was not expecting it. He was like, what is this? But the waiter was super nice, showed him how to, like, crack the legs and pull the meat out with the fork and whatever. And, and I don't know that he loved it, but it was certainly an interesting experience. So, so we were so inexperienced with seafood that he did not know the difference between shrimp and crab legs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, he made a good choice. Crab is great.
0: Do I need to, as the Northeasterner on the panel, do I need to present a passionate defense of lobster now?
2: Well, I think you do. Do you feel that in your heart?
0: Um, not really. I mean, <laughs> kind of. Here's, here's where I stand on lobster. I like lobster a lot. Um, but I don't like a whole lobster because it's a pain in the ass. It's just not worth the, the return on investment of a whole lobster effort wise, just eating it. I'm not even talking about cooking it because actually that's not super hard. Uh, but just eating it versus, say, king crab legs where you crack them open and boom, crab stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would take the crabs. I would take king crab over uh, lobster any time. But um I think that lobster can be done well and it's very good and I think the first lobster roll of the summer in New England is a really special moment. And the less stuff you put on it the better. You know, it it's sort of like the argument for lobster mac and cheese being the cheese. Yeah. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you might as well have chicken mac and cheese if that's if it's so good. It barely tastes like lobster. Matter. Yeah. Right. But I think there are times when the lobster's right. And also, we I have the logistical advantage of being here where you can go somewhere where it's caught and then you eat it, you know, off the boat that day and all freshly prepared and all that, which does make a difference. Yeah. Um, so I think lobster's good. And I think a lot of people have had really bad lobster.
1: Clearly. Some people on this recording. Clearly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if anyone wants to come out here, uh, we will go try a, a, the best case scenario for lobster and then we can see if I can sway you. Yeah. Um, There is a restaurant in Rhode Island called the Nordic Lodge, which I may have mentioned here before. It's a buffet. They uh, sell themselves as the biggest buffet east of Las Vegas, the fanciest buffet east of Las Vegas. It's like 90 bucks, and you go and you get a two-hour seating, and it's uh, all-you-can lobster, among other things. They've also got prime rib and a bajillion sides and other fresh-shuck seafood and... Everything you could want, but their their thing is basically people come in by the busload, literally, hmm. and they sit and they just annihilate lobster after lobster because they're going to get their money's worth oh, out of ninety dollars. No, I think <laughs> I'm
1: with Luke on this one. I would have anxiety because I can't eat ninety dollars worth of food. No, yeah.
0: if you release desire on getting your money's worth, it's actually a really cool experience. I think hmm. we try to go about once a year because it's actually really fun. All the food's really good. Um, That's so expensive. There's also a certain novelty to watching the people who are just going <laughs> to plow through the lobsters. But yeah, I had one when we went because I felt like I had to have one the first time as part of the experience. Sure. I'll, uh, I'll put a link to a commercial for the Nordic Lodge and the Shinnets because it's actually, it's pretty impressive. And also the commercial is really obnoxious. Anyway, that's as, that's as passionate as I can get about lobsters.
2: Okay, I appreciate your defense. I'd be willing to give it another try in in New England. I think I don't think I'll ever have it here again.
0: You get a, a lobster roll from a great restaurant on the beach on a sunny day on a on a weekend, uh, and and that'll really sell it. I think.
1: <laughs> Any more conditions that we have to put on this perfect lobster?
0: <laughs> oh boy! You have to also buy mine. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: okay, fair enough. All right. Uh, now, this story is. This is the first time we hear about our Skyjinks Wu United Airlines disaster. Um, I am very sick of this story. Uh, mm-hmm. So we can we can just mention that they mentioned it. Luke thinks that giving them, giving people two thousand dollars in cash would have prevented this. I kind of have to agree with him. I do um, too. They should have just yeah. kept incentivizing people until somebody took it, and they mm-hmm. could have avoided this whole disaster.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually am one of those people who am often traveling on a fairly flexible schedule. My day job is super flexible. I can kind of do it from anywhere most of the time. Um, And in fact, I was flying Delta, I think back from Atlanta or something a while back, and I tried to get bumped. They were looking for volunteers, and I drove a hard bargain and was like, if you give me $600 in Delta credit and a hotel for the night, and a nice one and fly me first class home tomorrow sure yeah <laughs> cuz i didn't have to be anywhere and a 600 delta credit would be like half a vacation trip for me and sam so i texted sam and i was like i'm trying real hard <laughs> to to drive a bargain here let me get stuck here for 12 hours and we'll go on vacation <laughs> uh and they ended up not needing my seat because they got a couple of people who went a little lower but they asked and asked and asked over and over again at $400 or something in uh, uh, Delta Bucks. Mm-hmm. And I just went over there and I was like, well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> can't find <laughs> anyone for that, but I'll make you an offer. And at first they completely resisted my offer, but I went back over like 10 minutes later because they were still, and we were all waiting to board. And uh, I said, well, you know, how desperate is this? Because if it's desperate enough, you'll give me what I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I got bumped, um, or
2: almost bumped, uh, when I was in, uh, New Hampshire for my ski trip a few months ago and there was a terrible storm. I was in the Boston airport, um, very, very close to getting stuck. And actually I was kind of starting to hope that I would get stuck I had to re they canceled my flight, and so I had to rebook last minute and so if the plane had been overbooked, I would have been the last or I would have been the first kicked because I was the last to check in that's how Southwest apparently does it, but they would have compensated me really handsomely. I think it was eight hundred dollars in cash mm. um something like that it was quite a bit of actual cash and um Duff had already arranged for a, a hotel room at the airport, and I was like, well, I can take a day off of work. This sounds like kind of a fun <laughs> yeah. fun little vacation. I don't get snowed in much anymore in Texas, um, but I ended up actually getting on the flight, and it ended up being fine. Um, but I was impressed at their generosity for when they bump you.
0: Do you remember which airline it was? It was Southwest. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I have so little to say about this whole story. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, and it comes up again later in the week, too, a yeah. couple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is just the intro, and we can breeze by that. We get a voicemail from listener Connie, who notes that people <laughs> in the airport are often unaware of the additional bulk that they're carrying around, given their, their baggage. And she said she likes the aisle seat in uh, airplanes, and she often gets clocked in the head by people Absolutely. Uh, hefting their carrying carry-ons mm-hmm. around, which is terrible. I um, prefer aisle myself, so I'm familiar with that. I hide in the window seat. Uh, for w- That's one of the reasons. And she talks about being at uh, DFW, actually, in an escalator. And uh, exactly what I was afraid of happening happened to her, where a guy smacked into her and almost knocked her down the escalator. And uh, she is blind, which makes it even more terrifying. <laughs> and uh, so she's saying, let's put a moratorium on passing people on escalators. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that monster man flew far away from DFW. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And Andrew um, tries to say that maybe just a moratorium on passing on the downward escalators. Yeah. But I think that's not a practical solution. Well, uh, yeah.
0: I'm all for just generally not being a dick. Which <laughs> yeah. I feel like would solve all of this. <laughs> yeah. Let's try to
2: be aware of other people. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm also an aisle seat guy, by the way. But I saw an article the other day about this idea that if they just make middle seats wider and more comfortable than the aisle and the window, that maybe it would bring a little equity to the Mm -hmm. three-seat situation. And I love that idea. As somebody who flies standby sometimes and gets stuck with the middle seat fairly often when I do, I might be more willing to take a middle seat, especially flying with someone on a window or an aisle, if it was bigger and more comfortable. Mm
1: -hmm. That means that the window gets less comfortable?
0: The window and the aisle would take the brunt of it, yeah, because that... Mm. That space would have to come from somewhere. I saw a
2: diagram. I I don't remember where this was posted. Maybe it was on the Stens page, but it was an idea for a a row of three seats where the middle seat is actually recessed a little bit. Uh, So it's kind of off center from the other two, Hmm. um, making it a little like easier for people to climb over you, you know, like gives them a little extra leg room just as a, sorry, you're in the middle seat consolation prize. Uh, I don't know if it's a real thing or if it has happened, but I kind of like that idea. Just make the middle seat a little more appealing, a little less terrible. Yeah. I don't know
0: why they don't just give everyone some sleeping pills and a whiskey as you get on the plane. And... <laughs> we'll just, see you in Charlotte.
1: Yep. Just pump the sleepy time gas in.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah. As long as that flight deck door is airtight, we're yeah. good. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: as long as the pilot never has to come out and use the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's Monday. All right, let's move on to Tuesday, 2356, the mustard that broke the quarter pounders back. Um, L- Luke wants to say that they are at the point of no return as far as the bathroom renovation goes. I guess they could have changed their mind yesterday, but now that the, as he refers to them, the turlets, the upstairs turlets have been <laughs> moved to the the downstairs turlets, and the downstairs turlets have been taken out and are going to be sold. Then there is a very strange tangent that I wasn't paying attention to very much about a neighborhood making a cloth foot bathtub installation in a roundabout. Mm-hmm. That was very strange. <laughs> oh, I see you have a note, Meredith, about about replacing turlets.
2: Yeah, so we recently replaced all three toilets in our house, and uh, we've got one cat who really likes to hide away in little boxes and little, you know, tiny, likes to squeeze herself into little spaces. And there was a little bit of time where... There was just three holes in the floor in the house, and uh, this cat tried to go down into the hole in the floor, like climb into the pipe, which I guess would have taken her out to the sewer. (laughs) So (laughs) I had to apologize to these poor plumbers and ask them to please shut and lock the door because, again, one of the other cats can open the doors, so they have to be locked. So like, while (laughs) there's nothing on these holes, can you please just lock the bathroom doors? I'm sorry.
0: It's but it's quite a e crew you got there. You got <sighs> one to open the door another one to shimmy down the oh, hole. Oh, it's a
2: whole team operation. They also love to go in the attic um because they like to climb through the insulation. So we had to chain we had to replace the door handle so we could lock the attic door because one of them will open it and the other one will lead an expedition <laughs> through the insulation. And then all of them come trailing out covered in we have this like wool insulation. And it's white and fluffy and they all come out covered in
0: it. <laughs> it's great. You have a literal cat burglar crew. I know,
1: <laughs> it's madness. You just need to learn to direct that energy to your purposes. I should get them to
2: do things for me, but they're really mm-hmm. useless and they sleep most of the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, if they could be stealing diamonds or something, you could really roll uh, cash in on that. Could spy on my neighbors? Like, let's do something useful. <laughs> Well, at this
1: point in the show, there is a a breaking news email. I couldn't figure out if it was actually breaking news or if Luke just wanted to play the breaking news sounder. But um, a a semi-irate, shall we say, uh, emailer who is not identified says, no more butthole flaps drop on the show. (laughs) They they do not like it. And they think that TBTL is above this kind of gross-out potty humor. And I was like... This person has obviously not listened to very much TBTL, if that's what they think. And, of course, Luke points out that he has told his um, pooping his pants at the Kingdom story, along (laughs) with the George Brett um, diarrhea story, many, 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 many times. So he doesn't know where this person would get this idea.
0: Uh, and that George Brett tape is some of the single best radio ever ever produced, even oh, accidentally. Mm-hmm. God, it's, oh, it's so, so fantastic! Gross. I love it. Oh, I love so it too. Disgusting! It's such a window into the mind of a of a celebrity, into mm-hmm. a into a like really. Oh, there's it works for me on so many levels. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully you'll forgive
1: me if I don't go back and listen to it with you. <laughs> Let's hope you don't have to archive one of those.
0: You actually have to while you're eating the lobster in New England. It's another condition oh, of mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so the Pulitzer announcements came out uh, on Monday. And Luke, as he does, he says he cruised them looking f- to find personal connections so that he can name drop people that he's connected to who won the Pulitzer. Um And he says that this is part of his make it all about you game that he likes to play. And the example that he gives here is the when he worked on the Bryant Park project and how um, that was the what not to do for the planet money people. So they made every mistake that they could make on the Bryant Park project and that let the planet money people make all the right decisions. So he's taking uh, credit for the success of planet money. I know that I've talked about how strong my,
2: my eyesight is, but now it's gone because I rolled my eyes out of my head <laughs> uh, during
1: this conversation. Oh, was that what I heard them hitting the desk and then
0: rolling away? Yeah,
1: they rolled away and they fell into the floor, the hole in the floor.
0: Well, at least you can send Wonky in after. Yeah,
2: she can go get it. Good plan. Oh, my uh, God.
0: Luke's, Luke's right, though. Uh His experience at Brian Park Project was all of the things you can't do if you want to succeed, (laughs) including quitting before it starts. Right. (laughs) It would be very hard for him to succeed at that show by quitting before it started. Um, so they mentioned in this Pulitzer
1: talk about uh, Art Cullen, who won the Pulitzer for, was it editorials, um, who runs the Storm Lake Iowa Times, which is a 10 person staff in a 3000 person community and how great it is that uh, talent from such a small uh, circulation can get Um, can get recognized and I read the article that he was referencing and it's a great article and he looks like an interesting person. So I'm I'm glad too, that, um, that that got recognized.
0: I wanted to chime in with a point about how the Pulitzers work as someone who's put in applications for music Pulitzers the last few years. um, You don't have to put it in yourself, but someone has to put in an application for you to be considered for a Pulitzer. It can be anyone, but there's like a $50 processing fee and you have to send it in with a short note basically saying, why should we look at it? So it's not like the Pulitzer committee or search whatever is just seeking these out completely at Mm. random. I love this story because either someone at the Storm Lake Iowa Times or someone passionate about the work they were doing thought, this should get a Pulitzer. (laughs) And took the time to put in the application. Like, there's some effort here. Either they were proud of their work, which is great, or someone else recognized how great their work was and took the time to make sure they got honored for it accordingly. Uh, Most people wouldn't do that for such a small newspaper.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. I like that a lot. And this journalism talk takes them into the story that's been floating around about the Kansas student journalists who were... Um, profiling their new principal and sleuthed out that she had falsified her education and her credentials and so got her fired. And Luke's take on this is that so many people are lying on their resume that is it really worth it bothering to check it out? <laughs> oh God. I mean, is it always such a bad thing to employ someone who's a liar?
2: Yes, especially a principal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> and Andrew pointed out that it's maybe less about the specific academic credits that she earned, although it is, but it's about integrity. How can you have somebody who's leading a school full of teenagers who doesn't have any basic integrity? <laughs> And then Luke says at this point that he's not actually sure if he graduated from the UW. He's been putting it on all <laughs> his, his resume that he graduated, but he can't remember if he did or not. And Andrew asked if he walked in the graduation ceremony, and Luke says he, he did not. So I guess that doesn't necessarily um, prove anything. And Andrew says that he did walk in his graduation ceremony, even though he didn't want to. That was also my experience. My parents forced me To go to graduation I said no I just really just want to get the hell out of here and they said nope you are walking in graduation and we are going to be there to see it and I was totally miserable the whole time so thanks mom and dad I didn't walk in my undergrad either
2: um I did high school and then when I when I got my master's I walked for that but my undergrad I was really uninterested and my parents didn't care (laughs) so (laughs) there was nobody to push me to do it so I didn't
0: Uh, I was ordered to walk by the president of my university.
1: Oh, ooh la la. Uh,
0: I know, because I was fancy. I was the student uh, member of the board of directors, the board of trustees for my university. Um, And so I was up on the platform committee in my super fancy robe that comes with that kind of gig. And I wasn't going to walk because it was going to be a pain in the ass to get down And go around to the back and get in line from where I was. At least that was my story. I just didn't want to walk. Um, (laughs) But he basically said I had no choice and that he had put my name in the list and that I had to. And so I did. So I didn't look like an asshole in front of everyone by not doing it. But, um, yeah, that's my humble brag. (laughs) (laughs) I mostly just didn't want to
2: spend money on the the gown and stuff. And my parents were like, neither do we. That's fine.
1: Yeah. I think I was so traumatized by my final year of school that I was just ready to be out of there. Yeah, they were not having it. Oh, well. Um, so this college talk then gets them to some article. It was it on the. On the Kent State website, I think.
0: Yeah. It was like the Kent State alumni magazine. Mm -hmm. Yes,
1: where there is a mention of Andrew and Luke and TBTL get mentioned in there as well. So he's really very pleased as punch about that, that he's becoming notable at Kent State. Um, I'll just mention the donors. We have Alanis. Thank you. Back because it is the last day of this particular set of donors. So, um, I guess we're done with that for a while. I'm not too sad. Uh, Top story is day two of what Luke refers to as United Airlines rolling thunder. And this is the part of the story where the CEO refused to acknowledge any wrongdoing on the part of the company or its employees. And uh, everyone agrees that it was a completely tone deaf response and that he should not have used the word re-accommodate when talking about removing the passenger from the plane and I can see what he was doing here he was really uh, trying to support his employees and stick by his employees and not throw them under the bus so to speak but boy that was really stupid of him to do that and uh, the guys talk about uh, the assumption that everybody knows that a ticket does not guarantee you a flight and I think a lot of people don't know that I think that The way our economy works, it's you exchange money for goods and services. And you think that once you've paid the money, you have the good or the service. And all the um, pages and pages of fine print that nobody ever reads, we don't have any idea that you can just randomly be removed from a flight at the airline's discretion. So I I was thinking about this, and I I think it's because... um, we think, as as consumers, we think that um, the passengers are the the consumer, and the airline thinks of us as cargo. So, as consumers, we would have rights, and this is a service that we're paying for, and we allow ourselves to be treated in a in a proper fashion. And to the airline, we are basically cargo. And if there is uh, some decision that's made they can absolutely just chuck us off and do something different and, and i think the whole country through this particular incident is really waking up to this idea we knew it before that you could be bumped and all that stuff but i don't think that people really realize that it could go this way well i would never expect uh you know uh plainclothes
2: police officers to come and forcibly drag me off a plane right like i no can matter... see getting bumped i'd be mad about that but i don't think there's any instance where that's justified
1: right yep no matter how belligerent i was being i would never in a million years expect to be forcibly removed from the airline no. you know unless i'm and as... abusing other passengers
2: right and may- maybe this goes to when we talk about this actual uh passenger a little later but i think as soon as i saw some burly men walking towards me i'd be like all right
1: I'm 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 fine. I'm going. (laughs) I'm coming. Yeah,
0: just have to be gentle because of all of the heroin that you're packing. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Don't can't burst that bubble. You're in trouble. Right.
0: I frankly, I
1: think like the rest of us, I just hate the whole concept of overbooking in general. I think it's so shady, and I don't care that it's industry standard. And I don't buy for a second that they need to do it to make profits because I actually looked up um, airline profits this year are projected to be $29.8 billion. Yeah. And last They're not year they hurting were 35.6. Yep. There is no reason for them to be doing this other than that it wrings a little bit more money out of us. It hurts us a little bit that we've propped them up to do this mm-hmm. to us. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it really does. But Luke says that he thinks that some contrition by the airline employees would go a long way, and I don't know. I think once I'm hauled out by, as you said, the three burly plainclothes security guys, some contrition is not going to help me very much, but... I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty upset about it. But then I thought the best thing in this whole discussion was when Andrew said you tied your own hands and then said our hands are tied. Yes. Yeah.
2: That was a great description.
1: Really insightful of him. But so that's day two of United Airlines Rolling Thunder. Uh, Andrew says that he really hates it when people mill around the gate uh, at the airport, and Luke says that he is a fifth level gate miller. And he has a bunch of reasons for that, which um, mostly uh, boil down to that um, he, he is elite level. And so he wants to be able to get on and make sure that he has overhead space and get all settled in that. But I think that's, I don't think they're talking about the same thing. I think Andrew talks about people who hover in front of the gate long before they're allowed to get on. And Luke is just an early border because of his privilege. So I think that his actions are are totally fine.
0: He's not really milling for anything because he gets to board pretty early. Mm -hmm. The millers are the people who are boarding in the last boarding group. Right. And they're standing there so they can be the first person in the last boarding group.
1: There's always like this sort of arc that forms around the entrance to the yep. to the gate to the yep. the rope line or whatever and people just kind of shuffle in a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and everybody is sort of converging slowly on the line. Yeah, it's yeah, like an I arms race. Mhm. If you're in group 5 and they've called group 2, you can still sit. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. But all the fancy people like Luke and people with children and people who need a little extra time, that that's not milling. That's just right. using the privilege that you've been granted because of your status. So,
0: Unless it's Southwest where the lines are very organized and the cage match doesn't happen until you actually get into the cabin of the plane. That's right.
1: <laughs> right. Just prolong it. Then I'll bet they're off. <laughs> that's always a
2: fun experience when I'm traveling Southwest and there are people who have never... Uh, experienced their boarding technique before and so they'll be you know they're boarding a right now and this old lady walks up and she's got c 59 and she's like is it my turn (laughs) and everybody has to be like no you have to go sit down and wait for everyone else to get on the plane and then you see her face fall just like oh Oh, sorry lady yeah that doesn't sound like my jam actually it's fun once you get the hang of it but it's 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 confusing for newbies especially because no one else does it that way
0: yeah I'm not a fan, but that's because I just don't appreciate the trying to elbow out in the cabin to find and ILC.
1: yeah, I have too much anxiety about everything going smoothly, so I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to deal with that. but if that ever comes up, man, I'm taking that old lady down <laughs> <laughs> I'm on emails today uh Guillermo on the topic of hand washing. And says that he was in a new Wegmans in his area that has a stall with the sink right in the stall. And when he, so he washed using the sink in the stall. And then there must have been more sinks outside, uh, outside the stall. And he got the stink eye from somebody. So even though he had, in fact, washed his hands, he washed them again. And Luke and Andrew, of course, say that they would feel the need to have a conversation with the stink eye person to reassure them. Oh, I, seriously, I did. I washed my hands. See, there's a sink in there. I really, I washed it. I promise. This does seem like a
0: sitcom plot. Yeah. <laughs> like you wash your hands in the, in the stall and then you came out and you left. And for the rest of the episode, the girl you've been on two dates with. Is judging you because she heard from a guy that you didn't wash your hands. Yeah, this is
2: a Curb Your Enthusiasm
0: episode. Yeah. (laughs) Good on you going to Wegmans. Wegmans is the best. That's all. (laughs) There's a voicemail from Shannon
1: who is, uh, I guess, in New Mexico, from New Mexico, and she's eating taquitos and sitting by her shame dumpster and not recycling (laughs) it. So there's the shame of eating the taquitos and then also the shame of not recycling the container. I think that was really mm. funny. And that takes Luke to a story about uh, going through the McDonald's drive-thru in a lift, which uh, I can't... Okay, for me, lift is point A to point B. I would never even dream of going through the drive through in it, but whatever. Oh, you know, I wouldn't whatever. either. That's Luke. Um, but he orders a chicken sandwich and a quarter pounder and... Then he finds out that the Quarter Pounder has uh, too much mustard. And then there's all this confusion between the two of them, whether the Quarter Pounder is supposed to have mustard or not, and if it was put on an error, but it's just way too much mustard. And Ander asks, how many mustard sandwiches are in my butt? Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> this was grossing me out last week, and it's still grossing me out this week. <laughs> And I would say that if your quarter pounder comes with too much mustard, I might use the option of wiping some of it off. Yeah. Yes. There you go. And they close the, the uh, show by, um, Luke says that he's going to go for a strong no apology stance like the airlines and Andrew is going to have a strong all apology stance. <laughs> that sums <laughs> them up, I think, pretty well. It really does. And, and that uh, closes out Tuesday.
0: And we'll go to Wednesday, 2357. That jazz is really jazzing. Apologies, Meredith, that we couldn't give you Wednesday.
2: Mm. Well, you know, it's a good thing that you didn't because I listened, but it must have been subconsciously because of this title. I took zero notes. <laughs> <laughs> My note sheet is just totally empty for Wednesday. <laughs> like you got to the end of it and you look down and you're and like, I was like, whoops. Oh, whoops. <laughs>
0: And, and the screenshot's
2: pretty great that you said. I just wrote oops in my notes. And uh, yeah, I didn't care enough to go back and, and listen again.
0: At the top of the show, there's uh, the Do It Live drop in the context of uh, Bill O'Reilly uh, going on, quote unquote, vacation. Pre-planned vacation. is delightful. And we can only hope that he does not come back from his, quote unquote, vacation. <laughs> um, that drop just gets more and more enjoyable. As his life crumbles. So I like it. Yep. Uh, Luke talks about the quote-unquote sketchy element at the Lowe's in Bellingham. <laughs> just a place that I have a hard time believing there's a sketchy element, but maybe there is. Not the day um, laborers working for a job. Right. He actually goes out of his way to say not not those folks just trying to make an honest living. Well, Luke,
2: every home improvement store has a contingent of meth heads who are stealing things and then returning them for cash. I'm pretty sure that's what he's talking about. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been to a Lowe's or a Home Depot where that wasn't a large proportion of the customers.
0: Uh, that's an interesting racket. i got to keep that in mind. <laughs> okay. uh, anyway, uh, Luke, despite warnings from Carrie in the past, has brought Rudy in the car and the back window is down. Uh, and Carrie's concerned is that Rudy's going to get out. That's some interesting foreshadowing for later in the Hmm. week.
1: I don't know why you'd Um, ever think that.
0: Yeah, But uh, Luke is even more dismayed than that because he comes back out of the Lowe's and thinks he has lost both the car and the dog in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Before realizing that the car is just parked in another section of the parking
1: lot. Oh, man. I hate it when that happens to me. Yeah.
0: Uh, But my next question is how big is the Lowe's in Bellingham parking lot and how busy is it that he, he doesn't. At all, remember what area he's in and can't find. And I'm assuming this is the forerunner; like it's a good sized car.
2: Mm, It doesn't
1: surprise me. I don't know how. I think it depends on how often he goes there. Because if he normally parks in one area and then he parked in a different area, I mean, that's when I used to work at the mall. I had to always park in the same aisle, otherwise, I would just be totally lost.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's a good point. I did have one day a couple of weeks ago where I, I forgot what floor of my car was on in the parking garage, and that's <laughs> always really sad because you gotta go floor to floor too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Andrew busts out some more ambient construction noise. Thanks. He's, he's really trying. And we have a conversation that's come and gone um, uh, intermittently recently about Burger King in Spanish, and uh, Luke has always learned that this is is it. Is that what he's trying to say? Sort of, yeah. I, I never, I mean, I have years of rusty French, but absolutely no Spanish. So um, the actual Spanish for burger is la uh, burgeresa? Something <laughs> like it sounds like burger in it. I don't remember. Hamburguesa. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. hamburguesa. <laughs> I meant to write it down and I didn't. Uh, and so he's trying to find out if the slang that he was taught is true or if somebody was just fucking with him. Years is, ago,
2: is he avoiding saying uh, Vanessa?
0: I think so. Okay, because mm-hmm. <laughs> he drilled down to some real yep. specific
2: points. He sure did. This person was born here, but uh... this,
0: this person with 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 ties to that country, yeah, and, with this language, and I proposed to. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I told her. I told this person. I bought a bowling alley once.
0: <laughs> uh email uh follow up on the breaking news email from earlier in the week um this person thinks that um poop talk isn't lowbrow it's different from other broey podcasts but the butt flap drop is a is a uh a a bridge too far
1: i disagree yeah i don't know how you can (laughs) subcategorize like that
0: yeah It's a real fine line that that emailer's walking.
2: I'm going to disagree with him. And just as Mike said, that's one of the funniest things that's happened on the show in a while. So can we just let that be?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This emailer also mentions top status, which is an early days callback, uh, and notes that they lobbied the uh, WBUR program director by email to carry Livewire. And else, uh, Luke says that if... uh, if it works, if B.U.R. picks up Livewire because of this person's email or not because of this person's email, he will officially retire the Rick and Morty uh, butthole flap drop.
2: He's made a couple of different deals because later in mm-hmm. the week he says if we can get Richard Linkletter on the show, then he'll stop.
0: <laughs> right. Eventually, it's just going to be if he can get a a, a burger. <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't understand the Richard Linklater thing, by the way, because they're so incredibly embarrassed and are saying, don't tell somebody we talked about them. Don't tell that person we talked about them. Now he wants us to go and pursue Richard Linklater? Get him on the show, though.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we could have mentioned uh, at some point saying, please don't contact the program director at WBUR. <laughs> so, you know, I just, they can't make up their mind. I, I, I don't know yeah. all the rules here. <laughs> Uh, Carrie is trying to sell their old Bathroom crap on Craigslist Now that they've gone too far uh, And made the dire mistake of putting her cell phone number In the first post on Craigslist um, Leading to Text messages asking for email Addresses starting uh, A whole chain of scam emails uh, Where there's Some Mad Libs action going on (laughs) Including that the One of the spam emails is from a U.S. Marine (laughs)
2: I like how he read that, because that's what I do in my brain, too, when people use caps for no reason.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I am very busy with my job. U.S. Marine. Uh, Luke thinks that all the spammers should band together and hire someone with um, strong English skills to write a better template for their scam email. I always wonder why they don't do that.
1: I know. It would go such a long way to have th-
0: accomplishing theory. their goals. I have a theory, actually. I think that the emails are intentionally crappy because, well, maybe only one in every million people will fall for them. The person who falls for that first email is a sucker. Ah. And so it really, it really weeds out people whose skepticism will grow yeah. from where you start. It's right. sad, actually. But if if you think that this U.S. Marine is coming to get your uh, old uh, turlet or whatever uh, – <laughs> You've got this person. You've got your hooks into him immediately. Yeah.
1: They're going for the double dum-dums is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, On to Sheila E. and all of the other Prince related talk. Uh, (laughs) We hear about the guy in the UK who proposed to a woman in Seattle through a Seattle Times ad. Uh, But not the first time he's proposed because the first time he sang Purple Rain at her. (laughs) And we get more on that later in the week. So maybe we'll put a pin in that. Um, Andrew and Luke reminisce about the radio clock of the on-air days and how you can always get a tangent on something like TVTL, but not when you have eight minutes to fill on a very (laughs) uh, prescribed amount of time on the air on uh, Cairo or similar. And I seem to remember, I don't remember if this was Dave Ross or someone else that they hosted with, but I remember a story about uh, a veteran radio host who had a card in his wallet, maybe. And I think the phrase written on it was, is bowling a sport? <laughs> oh, yeah. When you're out of topics, right? Right. Yes. <laughs> if you've got a fill, just, just put that out there and see what happens. <laughs> and that's what you need when the tangents don't come. You just got to say, hey – uh, it's eight minutes until the top of the hour, and is bowling a sport? Call in now. Yep. <laughs> Just see where it goes. Uh, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, nobody, please, nobody call Sean Fleming, whose name, by the way, is Sam Fleming, <laughs> at WBR after uh, Luke name checked him. And this goes back to a story about how Luke was trying to impress uh, the new bosses at APM uh, in a phone meeting and said he knows. All the different program directors and then (laughs) use the wrong name.
1: My good friend, Sean, Sean Fleming. Exactly. Uh,
0: Top story, United Rolling Thunder Day 3. The doctor uh, has a shady past and therefore deserved to be beaten, bloodied and dragged off that plane. Yep, that tracks. Uh, This is tough because anyone Googling that doctor's name will find that other article. And so there is an argument to be made for referencing it. But as they mentioned, David Falkenflick's point was maybe also mentioned the point that he has a life in just that one article in his entire past, Mm -hmm. uh, which was a perfectly reasonable, level-headed thing to say.
2: Yeah, it seems like the general reaction to that has been people being like, "Okay, but that doesn't that doesn't justify any of this. Right. You know, I feel like people are reacting to this pretty well, like we we aren't dragging him into the court of public opinion um, you know, starting him off in a hole with this previous knowledge. Yeah.
0: It probably doesn't hurt that we all hate the airlines so much.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This guy sounds like a not good person and I'm still on his side here. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and so will whatever jury decides how much money he gets in damages. Yes. So mm-hmm. good for him. Yep. Uh, on to a conversation about a Burger King 15 second commercial that's supposed to trigger your Google Clapper. Uh, And Anne, you did an excellent job pulling out your patented tangent tracker. Oh, thanks. I felt the spirit move me. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to run us through the tangent tracker?
1: Sure. Sure thing. So the topic at hand, as you said, was the Burger King commercial that activates your Google device, which took them to Tangent One, this uh, taser company that is offering free body cams to all police um, that are also working to incorporate... uh, facial recognition, which led to uh, tangent number two, which I think Andrew called Rise of the Robots, where robot ball and strike callers are better than human umpires at this point. So that poses some problems for for baseball that they'll have to consider, which takes us to tangent three. Uh, Jay Buhner is the worst baseball commentator ever, <laughs> which takes us to tangent four. Andrew found out that because he has Comcast in Xfinity, he can watch any show he wants on his laptop in his office with a cat on his lap. And that makes him feel like he's not ignoring Genevieve as she sits in the other room watching a different program entirely.
2: Why are they so worried about ignoring their spouses when they're watching TV? I, maybe I'm a little abnormal, but like I have zero problem. Like He watches terrible television. I don't want to be there. I will go do something else. I don't want to watch The Mentalist for 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel ignored. I feel liberated. Whatever. Yeah, I
0: feel like uh, if you've signed up for that as your primary entertainment, you don't get to pick and choose your secondary entertainment.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, thank you, Anne, for that. <laughs> I don't know that there's any analysis beyond that. <laughs> no. Uh, we get an email uh, with a quandary from a listener. Uh, what is the proper etiquette for cell phone use in the grocery store? Don't. Uh, because if this person's running in, they use it. Don't. I, I Sorry, don't. Th- that
1: was that was my hot take. <laughs> don't. I agree. I agree. It's really rude.
0: Yeah, uh, I I'll give the wiggle room on this. Uh, from my perspective, if I've got my earbuds in uh, and I'm on a call. Uh, and I don't want to interact with the unwashed masses of the people shopping at Stop and Shop at you know late at night on a weeknight, which happens. Uh, I'll keep my earbuds in. I'll speak softly and not often while I'm shopping, and I will end the call to go through the grocery store checkout, and then pick it back up if I need to after I exit the store. I,
2: if you can do it without being absolutely distracted, that's fine. But I, I rarely see it where people aren't just like stopping in the middle of an aisle, blocking it entirely with their cart. Mm-hmm. And not noticing because they're on the phone. That's what irritates me And I really
1: just need to get in and grab the English muffins. And you are standing directly in front of the English muffins. And I can't get to them. That's unacceptable.
0: I want to live in a world where I'm on an emergency English muffin row. So don't do it uh, unless you can do it without being a dick, which goes back to my earlier rule. Running tangents here, um, again... There's talk of Mr. Magoo and explaining the plot of every Mr. Magoo. <laughs> uh, followed by uh, a Hannibal Burris uh, bit about blindness, which uh, they guys thought was sort of off base. Um, I haven't heard it, so uh-uh. maybe it is probably is, based on how they described it. Uh, and then Luke thinks that Louis C.K. is uh, less funny than he used to be.
2: We um, sat down to watch his special last night and I brought up the uh, accusations that have been levied against Louis C.K. as far as sexual abuse. And uh, he sat and he read about it for a while and he said, I don't think we can watch this.
0: Mm-hmm. And we didn't. Uh, I and, and we had listeners uh, mention Louis C.K.'s, uh, the accusations against Louis C.K. in light of the conversation on TBTL. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... Watched the new special in the background while I was doing other things the other day because I don't normally, Sam doesn't like that kind of TV in general, it's just not much for stand-up comedy. Um, And so I threw it on while I was getting some work done around the house, and I don't know, I didn't feel like I missed much. Um, Also, he was wearing a suit, which felt really awkward to Mm. me. Yeah, I watched Um, the
2: first 30 seconds of it when he just opens up with a joke about abortion, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. If I need to watch
0: this. Yeah, very shock comedy. I mean, and he did it in the way that he can make it work for him. But yeah, to just walk out and start with that was like, okay, yeah. yeah, He's really just, I feel like his novelty has worn off.
2: I think you're right. We watched the Dave Chappelle special instead, um, which was hilarious. Aside from a few jokes about gay people and transgender people that I turned to Duff and said, did he write this in 1992? Mm. Like, they're so just like... Ugh, they're just uninformed and it sounds like his heart is in the right place so I can't be super mad at him about it but it just it's like uh he needs to he needs to take a minute and rethink those
1: yeah yeah I watched the Mike Birbiglia special that was on Netflix that's actually I thought was really good I love yes, Mike Birbiglia he's wonderful yeah and and a, he's a comic he's It was very interesting. I mean, he had sort of a central thesis to the set, and he kept weaving the stories in a way that would Mm -hmm. just keep coming around and around and around to the central thesis. It was just, I thought it was a great show. That's how he does, he does some amazing storytelling comedy. Um, We've got a soft spot
2: for for Mike Riglia, because we we saw him, I think he played in Detroit like a day or two after we got married, and so we, we had a little weekend mini honeymoon there, um before we went to Italy and we saw him and so we've seen him every time that he's been in town oh, um cool. it's just sort of a fun little thing that we do. Hmm. He's great.
0: Uh I took Sam to Detroit once for Valentine's Day and I've gotten shit from a lot of people when I tell them Such that. Such a romantic city. <laughs> and since you see you know the beginning of your honeymoon was there, I think that that justifies it.
2: Absolutely. It was actually lovely. We stayed at the Book Cadillac, which is a super fancy hotel that we could absolutely not afford. Um it was the same time that I think um, Aerosmith was staying there. And it was just extremely loud because they were a floor above <laughs> us. It was terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was a beautiful hotel. And we just kind of had a fun weekend in downtown. And then I think Mike Berbiglio was in Royal Oak, which is a suburb. So it wasn't technically in Detroit.
0: Well, sure. He's going to go where the money is. Yeah. So uh, the episode ends with just um, uh centerfold in honor in memory of Jay Giles. Mm-hmm. And not Freeze Frame, because that would only be his second most popular song. Right, right. All right. Thursday,
2: 2358, Wrong Fire of the Vanities. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. A uh, uh,
0: uh, Dollar Short and a Day Late yeah. on that title. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's very confused how they came up with this, but Andrew wanted it so desperately. He really yeah. did. Uh, Luke starts out talking about how he did a life hack at Buddy, where he moved his show sheet from 2.30 to what he said, quote, 11 a.m., which if we're talking about the hands <laughs> of a clock, you don't have to specify that it's 11 a.m. <laughs> but he said that his, his monkey brain is still looking to the old spot. I was surprised that he has a paper show sheet that he like prints yeah. out and sticks to his
0: computer or something. Every single day. Every single day he prints it out. Why? Andrew doesn't even own a printer and Luke prints out his show sheet every day. What a waste. Ugh, well.
2: So Luke talks about how he's going to be in Seattle tomorrow, which is Friday. He's going to be on KUOW with our buddy Phyllis Fletcher. Uh, he's filling in for Bill Radke on hosting Week in Review. And uh, somebody named Joni Balter will be there and also Dave Ross. Did anyone listen to
0: that? I Sadly, I was in the throes of office move, so yes. I couldn't. No, I couldn't either. Plus, I couldn't get the imagery of Dave Ross washing his underwear in the sink out of my head.
2: <laughs> well, if he only brought one pair of underwear and he's washing him in the sink,
1: that's the worst part of that image. <laughs> sure is. I don't understand how underwear is the item of clothing that you have to skimp on when you're packing light. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take up that much space. I can see having only one pair of pants, but you can fit an extra pair or two of underwear in
2: there. Yeah, please do. Um, Andrew talks about how they're doing the show from an undisclosed location the next day, and I was really confused about all of this, and I really thought for a second the next day that they were in a farm, Um, but it's actually just at Andrew's house, right? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Okay. (laughs) Uh, This somehow gets them onto a tangent about... um, bringing radio gear through the airport and having the TSA screeners uh, search through it um, thinking that uh, it looks like bombs. And as I think Andrew said, his bag looked hella bomby. (laughs) Um, He tells a story about how uh, he was getting kind of interrogated by a nice uh, TSA person and Luke decided to go find a wheelchair and do wheelies in it.
1: Which, Always mature. That's our burbank. You can't just
2: stand there and be patient. He's got to be a, a 14 year old. And then a young person did come and compliment him on his moves. Um, Andrew also talks about how when they were going through his hella bomb bag, the guy started to take out some things to swab them for explosive residue. And Andrew couldn't contain his puttering instinct and he started rearranging the stuff in the bag. Like he stuck his hands in it. And oh I God. think he's lucky he didn't get shot mm-hmm yeah he sounds surprised to a tsa small... agent yeah yeah he sh- yeah he 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 narrowly missed a strip search uh
1: with that move that was really <laughs> dumb <laughs> in a four-hour interrogation in a small windowless room Ugh. stop it
2: andrew uh somehow we move on to gym talk um Something about the TSA rules reminds Andrew of the crunch bench at the gym, and I thought he was describing incline sit-ups, but they're not even on an incline, and he talks about how people do crunches with their feet under this little thing, and then they do their obliques,
1: and he wonders if he's being trolled, like if this is not a real exercise. Oh, it's a real exercise, but it's an exercise for beginners. Yeah, it's not... If he's talking about the bench that I'm I'm thinking of, they are they're flat but they're hinged in the middle, like right where your hips are, and then they have like a arm rests and as you sit up you push down on the armrest and it hinges the back up. So it's like an assisted crunch is what it is oh. and only absolute brand new newbies who can't actually do crunches use them.
2: Because I was imagining it, because what I used to do is, is the the, bo- the bench that was on an incline, it had the little, the little foamy things you could stick your feet under to hook mm-hmm. your feet, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're doing crunches uh, against gravity um, nope. on an incline, and that was a serious ab workout. I mm-hmm. always felt really, really sore from that afterwards, but I'm not sure why he thinks he's being trolled. I mean, it is an exercise, I suppose. He just um, is afraid he's not being cool at the gym. Yeah, yeah that's it. You're right. Uh right. Luke reveals that uh, whenever he does a crunching motion, he has a terrible pain in his abdomen, but he hasn't investigated that or uh, gotten too concerned about it. That that worries me a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm no doctor, but like he could have a hernia or something. <laughs> um,
0: I'll lie and say I'm a doctor and he won't check my credentials and then maybe we can get him <laughs> checked out.
2: That is a lie that he would tell. Very believable uh we talk a little bit about the extremely boring science of why shoelaces become untied uh turns out it's because when you move it wiggles them free um but the the, the only good thing that came out of this is that we get to hear the
0: forget me shot clip yep. <laughs> yeah that did we good. get any simpsons tracking that's 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 pretty much it for this week there's also um listener bet did a great job with this there's an old man yells at cloud reference on wednesday's show. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday's show, there's an Everything's Coming Up Burbank, which is Everything's Coming Up Millhouse. Those two come up so often that it's not worth mentioning them every time they do. But the Forget Me shot, certainly a standout. And uh, thanks again, as always, to Listener Pet for the uh, continuing running notes on Simpsons Watch. Yes.
2: Uh, Next up is that Google Home seems to have disabled its device from talking about the Whopper in response to the Burger King commercial. Um, And then that moves them on to earned marketing um, where they talk about how people make a crazy commercial and they'll play it once in the middle of the night just so they can submit it to the Clios. Um, And this is the same reason we know about the wall because it was given a theatrical release so that it could be submitted to the Oscars. The room. The room. (laughs) You're right. I wrote down the wall.
0: Uh, That's a sequel yet to be made. That would be good. Um,
2: But I, any, any uh, reason to listen to Oh hey, Mark! <laughs> good with me. Or let's throw the football.
0: I like that the wall would be the wall that they're throwing the ball against. It would work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and they talk about how weird Tommy Wiseau is, and it seems that he he's claimed that uh, he knew he knew that was a joke
1: the whole time. Which, <laughs> sure, <laughs> I don't think so. Well, Um, they're in the part in the conversation where Andrew says that somebody should give Tommy Wiseau a sitcom because he was apparently pitching one. And I said, no, nope, no, No. we need to stop paying attention to this guy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's never going to make
2: something this good again. So (laughs) let's try to ignore him. Um, Next up is the Akinator. This strange uh, web app that will do twenty questions to guess what celebrity or character you're trying to think of. It seems very much geared to young people because it mm-hmm. always asks if it's a YouTube star, and I don't know if I could name a YouTube star if you had a gun to my
0: head. We need our uh, we need Ellie. We need our seven year old correspondent on this. Yes, exactly. Um, Andrew goes through and tries to uh,
2: get Luke, get it to guess who Luke is thinking of, and I, he. Does he ever reveal who he was talking about or he was yeah, talking about was, at
1: first? It was, well, the first one that Andrew guessed was, was Tommy Wiseau, right? But yes. then when they actually right. played the game, it turned out that it was McConaughey. Okay. Um, and, and, and I took a note that, that Andrew answered
2: one of the questions wrong because Luke was talking about the sandy blonde hair mm-hmm. um, and Andrew said no, but Luke said Luke said no, know. and Andrew said I don't know, I think. Yeah. Um, but then it eventually did correctly guess Ringo Starr. Um, I played around with it a little bit, and I asked it to guess Mitch Hedberg. Um, and it guessed uh, Dead Mouse, that producer, instead. Hmm. Um, but when it gets it wrong, you can say keep going, and it will keep asking questions. And it did eventually get Mitch Hedberg. That was kind of fun. Did yeah. anybody else play with it?
1: Well, they were, when they started the email segment and, you know, the Doogie Howser music came on they they said how how long would it take it to guess dookie so i tried that one and it took 23 questions
0: and then it did get it uh i ran it through tony kornheiser and it got it in the mid 20s i lost count i the problem is i didn't back up after it gave me the answer right so it was somewhere in the mid 20s i think but um it narrowed it down very quickly uh you know sports writer tv personality espn is he mm-hmm. bald <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, really? it's kind of cool how you can s- sort of see exactly when it gets a direction. I mean, mm-hmm. the first questions are just sort of casting about to get a category or a pathway or something. But then when it starts to um, get an like idea... It gets the trail and it starts yeah. to work. Yeah, <laughs> focus then, on then that. Then you can totally tell that it's narrowing in.
0: Uh, i did see on the Stens page several people have done luke burbank yeah and (laughs) it it takes quite a few
2: guesses (laughs) (laughs) all right uh in email today uh luke confused sheena easton and sheila e um but uh, listener edward explains that sheena easton wrote her song sugar walls as alexander nevermind um Luke sings some You Got the Look by Prince, and they go off on a tangent about the Bat Dance song from the 1998 or 1989 Batman movie. They wonder if people make hit songs for movies anymore, and I don't know if they do. I mean, I, I kind of went looking for current soundtracks, and it was like Beauty and the Beast was, yeah. was what everybody right. was talking about, and there were a couple of new songs in that, but mostly they were the old ones.
0: I think a lot of uh, hit movies wait as long as humanly possible to pick their music and then just cut in whatever is a current hit or mm-hmm. it looks like it's going to be a hit. And they just ride the wave on pop music.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. It doesn't seem like people are writing songs specifically for movies so much. Right. Um, they talk about some iconic soundtracks of the past, including the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, Dazed and Confused, um, of course, the Batman one. And then we go on to uh, wonder what's up with Starship. Slash Jefferson Airplane. Slash Jefferson Starship. Slash because Starship. Who, who doesn't
0: wonder what's up with Starship? <laughs>
2: what is up with Starship? <laughs> and Luke says that hell to him is sitting in an empty room with White Rabbit playing over and over, and over. <laughs> not a fan of Grace Slick. Um, talk a little bit about uh, We Built This City and Heart of Rock and Roll. Wondering if those are about Cleveland. Uh, and then Luke tells the story about how Huey Lewis... Uh, When asked about going to Seattle, said, yep, Nirvana.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A story he's told before.
1: (laughs) Really, what more do you need to know other than Nirvana? That's all there is to Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) That's Thursday. All right. Let's go to Friday, number 2359, Escape from Alabama Hill. Um, As foreshadowed, Lucas at Wash Wash and Dormat, and Andrew is playing the ambient farm soundtrack. Which is better than the construction soundtrack, so yeah, I guess is. that's a step up. <laughs> and um, I I guess, Meredith, you were the only person that was actually fooled and thought that they were at a farm. Well, yeah, Maybe. I was kind of
2: confused, and I was like, really, are they at a farm? I mean, that lasted about two seconds, and I was like, oh, no, they're yeah. not at a farm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and Andrew gets on to the subject, it must go from farms to zoos, and he says that he doesn't know what the We Bought a Zoo movie is about. <laughs>
0: Um, Good good thing for context clues.
1: It's (laughs) about buying a zoo. Um, But uh, Luke acts all superior, but he actually hasn't seen We Bought a Zoo. And he says um, he knows that there is some point in the movie at which he will cry if he watches it on an airplane where there is some speech about... Between the husband and wife, between we thought we were saving these animals, but they were saving us. Um, but I, I, I did see, I did see we bought a zoo and Matt Damon's wife is dead. So, yeah. wrong! <laughs> so mean, the animals
0: were just saving him. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I forget how... Oh, it must be um, from watching movies on the airplane. It gets us to Luke bragging about the name of the frequent flyer club that he's in for Alaska Air, which is the Gold 75K Club, which is better than the regular Gold Club. He has to make sure that we know. Because it is for people who have flown more than 75,000 miles. Again, context clues?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and... That leads them to a short talk about other cool um, frequent flyer club names in the Delta Platinum Medallion. And that takes Andrew into his rant against Tom Shane again and how mean Tom Shane is. And he hates the Shane company. And I'm on the record as saying that I think he's wrong about that. Uh, So the important topic for today is that Rudy escaped. This morning, in between all the going in and out for the, the turlet construction, she got out and was eventually, Carrie finds out, after 45 minutes of frantic driving around, she was picked up running around the busy street, was it Alabama Street, yeah. uh, and taken to the Humane Society. She was not wearing a, any tags, which I think is a problem, but she did have the, the microchip, um, the grain of rice up her butt as Luke says. Yes. Oh, boy. Which is an unfortunate image. Don't ask him where
0: babies come from.
1: (laughs) (laughs) From between your shoulder blades. (laughs) And so the Humane Society promptly calls Carrie, and she has to go down and bail Rudy out. Uh, And we find out that the cost for this was $71, and Luke is kind of pissed
2: about that. You know what that $71 is? I know they gave her a flea treatment and stuff, but that's a dummy fee for people who keep letting their dogs run away.
0: Yeah, that's what that is. I mentioned in our chat, it sounds like she got a flea treatment and a deworming yes. and um, a license. So I, Christy immediately said that's a good deal for where they are anyway. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> $71 for all that is is uh, uh, an abuse of the welfare system for dogs, I think.
2: I have to. I'm not used to living in a functioning city um, I've never had to register my dog before, but when I get a rabies shot, the vet communicates with the city, and I get a a, a notice that I have to register every year. Mm. Just to, and it's to track that you know the dogs are getting their rabies shots. Um, yeah, sure, which makes sense. And you know, I I don't want to this this story gave me a lot of anxiety. Um, you know, I've told the story about how Eddie ran out the door one time. I know it happens. Um, but I wonder. maybe I'm getting mad before I should, but my response to the one time that Eddie ran away um, and I saw him do it and I chased him down was to train him endlessly and, (laughs) and work with Mm -hmm. him. And that was last summer and I'm still doing it Um, because I, I want him to listen to me and I don't want him to run away. And that's how I'm dealing with it. I I just wonder if they're going to even deal with it at all.
0: Well, Carrie is directly involved more now. Yeah. So maybe things will get better.
1: Yeah. I hope so. I hope for Rudy's sake. I'm scared for her. So my question is, is the microchip sufficient? I mean, she got taken to the Humane Society and it all worked out, but should she have had a collar and tags and stuff? Yeah, she should have. And a microchip only works if you
2: manage to catch a dog safely and bring it to somewhere that has a scanner, you know? Yeah. It's not going to save her from getting hit by a car or from being stolen.
0: Also, if she'd had tags on, and the person who scooped her up could have just said, "Oh, your name's Rudy," and Here's called the call them, called five 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 five, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's too many numbers. <laughs> they could have skipped the uh, the middleman and the seventy one dollar fee.
1: Yep. Yep. Well, uh, Luke thinks that he can chalk this all up to Prem or. Poop rules everything around me, (laughs) uh, specifically deer poop. And he kind of blames himself because this um, is a route that they take when he takes her on walks to the park or wherever that she can eat all the deer poop. So maybe he should vary his routine a little bit more. Um, you know,
2: that's exactly what Eddie did when he got out. He ran the way that we usually go on a walk. And and that mm-hmm. happens to be through side streets with no traffic, which is probably the only reason he's still alive. Because <laughs> he followed that same route. He, If he had turned the other way, he would have run into a busy street.
1: Yeah, this sounds, this sounds like it could have gone really, really <sighs> bad from the way yeah. they describe the street. And Andrew gets kind of fixated on the idea that he wants to... Uh, know what Carrie said to Rudy when she went into the Humane Society to pick her up. So they actually call Carrie right there. And it turns out that she said, Rudy, you knucklehead. (laughs) But she didn't (laughs) scold. She didn't scold her or or yell at her. And then Andrew wants to know if the people at the Humane Society (laughs) were judgy, which is an Andrew question (laughs) for sure. And she says, no, they were not.
0: That's the bread and butter though. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's true. And and Luke thinks that it's or maybe Carrie thinks that it's worrisome, whoever said it, when Rudy escapes because she doesn't come back. Um she's always been caught. She's never returned of her under her own power before. So this mm-hmm. at some point maybe she won't be caught and that could be a bad thing. So it all turned out well today and I think and I'm glad that they found her before um before he even got to tell the story on the show because if it was another one of those my oh pet boy. is missing open-ended it would have been a really the stence page would have gone up in, yeah. in
0: flames it was or a the yeah alabama hill search party yeah. it was a
2: big problem when he just made an off-head comment about olive not being there and
1: we all thought she was missing forever she just
2: wasn't <laughs> in the room with him
1: right yeah uh the top story for today is that the Gray television group out of Chicago is suing these two guys who um, are pranksters who made it onto these dopey morning show segments posing as this strongman duo called Chop and Steel. <laughs> <laughs> And I I watched the video that Luke played and and his description was pretty spot on with the Zubas and the the tank tops. And it puts Luke in mind of the Christian power team who did feats of strength for Jesus.
0: tearing phone books (laughs) in half for Christ.
1: (laughs) Just what Christ wants us to do. (laughs) And he references this guy, Brandon Beals, who wore these outfits and... um, Apparently was, you know, rips for Jesus or all that. And and can I say that Jeremy told us he knows Brandon Beals. He grew up to be a preacher, an extreme preacher yep. and a um, cool preacher. Still yeah. ripped for Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luke's opinion seems to be pretty, pretty warranted in this, uh, this instance. Um, so Luke and Andrew are, are pretty upset that the, um, Television company is suing them. They think it's their, it's your own fault. It's your own fault. If you, as the producer of a television show, don't bother to vet your guests because two Google searches could have made it abundantly clear that this was, was not a real thing. Um, And Andrew tries to spin it as a service sort of, because it shines the light on the, the idiocy of these morning shows and how you You can't uh, consider them a credible news source, which I think is stretching it a little bit. (laughs) I don't know. I don't I'm like Andrew. I don't like prank comedy at all because there's always somebody who is not in on the joke. And I think that it's mean, even if they deserve it. It just makes me extremely uncomfortable.
2: I do get secondhand embarrassment a lot with these Mm -hmm. things.
0: I, I think they're pretty funny. <laughs> of course I'm you do. I'm sorry to be the, yes. I mean, I do. I feel bad for the hosts, but uh, uh, this whole legal situation is going to do nothing but bolster them, which is pretty great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I thought the the um, the suit was very interesting that they were suing them for fraud. And the other one was conspiracy to commit mischief or something. i It sounded, it sounded made up to me, but yeah. Um, so then they talk about the second Hey Dummy segment, which is out today and is a rousing success about Luke's tattoos. And Luke gets a chance to show his bicep definition.
0: (laughs) Or lack thereof.
1: (laughs) But I thought that was a really entertaining video as well. Good job so far, guys.
0: Yeah. I like that. Uh, and Andrew looked significantly less, uh, what was the term we were going with? Dough eyed Pie-eyed. Pie-eyed. eyed <laughs> would be adorable. Doe-eyed is cute. Pie-eyed <laughs> is stoned.
1: Well,
2: he didn't wear I a think,
0: baseball hat
1: covering yeah. his
2: eyes this time.
1: I think he still needs to work out his light source because it's clear that Luke has windows in his mm. studio and a lot of natural light coming in. And it's clear that Andrew doesn't. It just seemed really dark to me. So his face was still a little bit shadowed. So if he can work that yeah. out, it's going to be great.
0: The only um, flaw I had with the video segment was that for half of it I was not watching the screen and so it was just like listening to TBTL. Oh,
1: I suppose so. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that's that's a YP, Bobby. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a that's a user error between me and the keyboard. I forget what yes. the acronym is for that. Right.
1: <laughs> Pebcac. <laughs>
0: yeah. Sorry, uh, there's it, a motorcycle gang going through the neighborhood. I can hear it. They're on their way to that Easter Easter dinner. I think they're on their way to a construction site at Luke's house.
1: <laughs> in emails for the day, uh, Liz uh, sends in an email that she is the proposee from the Prince song and Seattle Times ad proposal story from earlier in the week. And she says, yes, Purple Rain is very long and it was very awkward. It's not actually her favorite Prince song. <laughs> But the, her favorite song was I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man and that's not really um, very appropriate for a proposal. So he went with, nope. with Purple Rain instead and she said that her fiancé gets some sick pleasure from embarrassing her like this. I would be like uh, my ex-fiancé gets no pleasure kidding. from embarrassing me like <laughs> this. but He's with the right woman. She's willing to yep. tolerate this. <laughs> and, uh, and they ponder... Uh, sort of what the reason for these two um, separate proposals like he he felt that too much time had elapsed from the first proposal so he needed to do it again and they wonder is he going to continue doing this and so then the third proposal should be in skywriting and that gets them into some very confusing and unsubstantiated skywriting talk about how it has to be written backwards and Luke says, You wouldn't imagine how hard this was. And I was like, Yes, yes, I would imagine yep. how hard this was. I'm pretty sure I understand. Just like healthcare and yep. international
2: relations, we all know they're <laughs>
1: complicated. <laughs> and that takes us to music for your weekend. And Luke just now has to hear that print song, I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man. Andrew brings Old Man Saxon on point, which I thought was great. Mm-hmm. And the listener Tierra has Jadena and Bambi. All good songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I like any time we can work a Tom Ashbrook joke into the music for your weekend. <laughs> <laughs> on to your housekeeping. Remember the Archive Project is going and going and going and you can be a part of it. Another month will bring us another drawing for our wagon full of loot. Several of us have yet to do a wagon for anyone and we're really looking forward to doing a wagon for people. So please keep archiving episodes. Every episode you do will give you a chance to win a wagon full of loot from one of us. If you have any questions about archiving uh, and you haven't tried it but you'd like to shoot us an email or uh, reach out to Christy or any of us and we'll take care of you. If you're going to buy stuff on Amazon, and you know you are, littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon. We're probably about due for another look at the list of all the stuff people have been buying, so we'll uh, work on that for a future episode soon. Earbuds and Earworms, your next episode is going to be about animals. And Jason is back, so make sure you tune in for that. Uh, And if you haven't listened to the last week's episode yet, featuring Mike Frizzell defending his iPod, it's a really great (laughs) episode of the show. it is.
2: It was fun. If you want to get involved, visit our website, littleredbandwagon.com. You can visit us on Facebook, our page, or the Sten's page. We're all lurking around there pretty regularly. Our show Twitter is LRB Podcast. You can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Send us a voicemail or a text at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. And
0: with that, this is The Next Party.
2: We love you, Jen. Nailed it!
0: Priceless Granite!